to the Madcast. You're listening to a podcast that strives to bring the church world and the art world at least a little closer together. My name is Matt Anderson, and I am so glad you can join us today. And if you're listening to me on Apple Podcast, would really appreciate a five-star rating and review. It is very helpful to us. So there's this election coming up. Uh, Not sure you've heard about that. It's kind of been in the news for a while, you know, in all the papers. (laughs) Well, if you did not vote early, uh, tomorrow is the day to make your choice. I am certainly not going to use this podcast to tell anyone how to vote because nobody cares what I think about that. (laughs) Hopefully you are informed and you vote your spiritual values. But I want to take a little bit of a widescreen approach with Election Day being tomorrow. Politics and art are strange bedfellows. I think you could almost call them frenemies. Uh, Political events and policies have really sometimes brought out the best in artists. And uh, one of the prime examples I can think of is Pablo Picasso's work uh, Guernica which is considered a masterpiece of uh, modern art. He, uh, he painted it in response to a German bombing of a uh, small Spanish town, uh, which is where Picasso was from, was Spain, and the town was uh, Guernica, but it killed 200 people, and most of them women and children. Uh, it was really kind of an early practice run by the Nazi Air Force, the Luftwaffe, Uh, And it would be tactics they would use soon after that. Uh, They did the bombing at the behest of uh, Francisco Franco, who at the time was a general in charge of a rebellion um, in a quest to seize power from the Spanish government. He would eventually do that and would really become a dictator and hold on to that power until his death in the early 70s. Uh, the work uh, Guernica is actually quite bold in, in, in one sense, but it's beautifully vague in other ways. People still debate the symbolism of certain objects in the painting. But one thing that wasn't mistaken, I think, was um, the portrayal of the wanton use of force uh, indiscriminately that killed people uh, without any rhyme or reason. And to me, when art accomplishes this, this is when it comments beautifully on politics and current events. However, we have also seen art used as a tool of propaganda. Uh, Dictators will frequently use art. It's a a big deal to uh, authoritarians and dictators. They use it to display their dominance and rulership over the nation. they, They portray themselves as... Uh, great benefactors uh, who are looking out for the people when, of course, they're quite the opposite. Um, It shows the rulership over their lives. Um, A few examples, I think, that come to mind this way in art uh, are um, a woman named Lenny Riefenstahl, 
who I know I'm going to do a podcast on at some point. Uh, she was a brilliant filmmaker from Germany, uh, but her gifts were used to promote the Nazi Aryan ideal. Um, another filmmaker from the early 20th century, D.W. Griffith, his film Birth of a Nation was considered a landmark um, in filmmaking. But the film portrays the Ku Klux Klan as heroes. Uh, more recently, I can think of Saddam Hussein and, and footage that I saw from Iraq, how art was used on signs and billboards, buildings, almost in every fashion possible to show his supremacy over the Iraqi people. It was a constant reminder, almost as if he was watching over them or out for them, depending on your point of view. Art is a powerful tool. And it can sway political opinion. But I think we, the artists, we must do all we can to not become political pawns for the sake of promoting someone's agenda. Now, don't get me wrong. I think we need to have beliefs and principles by which we live. And hopefully those beliefs and principles are based on the word of God. And we even vote out of those principles. But I believe our creativity must be kept so secure in a vault in our heart. We need to treasure it and protect it like the Hope Diamond and, and guard it at all costs. Um, I want to be an independent thinker and writer and speaker. And even if someone that I agreed with politically asked me to, let's say, ghostwrite a book for them, or employ my skills to make a speech on their behalf, or in service to a political campaign, I would politely say no. Now, some folks over the years have had to make those decisions at the end of a gun. Um, I would like to think that I would be that integral if it came down to that, but we, we really never know until we're in a situation like that. I pray we in America never... Uh, experience something like that. But I think it's important as artists that if we are going to use our art to comment on events or political happenings, that I think we need to be as dispassionate as possible. Now, I know that's going to fly in the face of a lot of artists because a lot use their emotion as sort of fuel in their creative engine. Uh, it, it sounds counterintuitive to say that, but I think the more emotional we are when we're creating, the worse the art is. Now, I think this applies more to certain art genres, particularly things like writing, uh, speaking. There, there are things that can be done very quickly to comment. Um, and I think if, if you're in those kinds of art forms, I think you have to be extra careful. Uh, you, you know the old count to 10 thing, if we're on the verge of losing our temper. In reaction to politics, I think writers and speakers need to count to 10,000. I think we need to digest, work through the emotions of the moment, so that what we create will actually have a long-lasting effect. I think this is why things like visual artistry or filmmaking, choreography, composing, they allow for more of that 
opportunity to digest and, and get more of a, uh, a bigger screen view. But regardless of your art form, in political art, when, when it comes to doing things politically, I think we need to find the universal good. I think that's why Guernica is such a revered painting. It wasn't so much an anti-Francisco Franco painting or even an anti-Nazi painting, although you can certainly imply that. It was a commentary on indiscriminate violence. And I think that's where it has the meat because it's universal. It's something we can all look at and say, yes, this is just universally wrong. Unprovoked violence of this nature that kills the innocents. And artists are meant to be the people, I think, who step away from the situation. We have to get more philosophical about this to just find the universal truth and then display it to the world to then remind us that we're better than that. It's so easy to just create something. I don't even want to use the word create. It's almost vomit something that says, oh, I can't stand Trump or oh, I hate Biden. It takes a much better artist to see the entire forest instead of the one tree in front of them and then find an overarching truth and principle that will resonate with humanity. That takes a lot more work. It takes a lot more soul searching, but I think that's where the gold is. And what I'm finding more and more is that in the absence of the worship of God or living by the principles of God's word, politics has really become religion for many in our country. And I've honestly seen this happen on both sides of the aisle, by the way. When politics becomes our religion, we lose all perspective. We become temperamental human beings tossed and turned by mood and breaking news on cable networks. We will not be good political commentators if we are so devoted to an ideology other than the timeless principles of God's word, because at that moment, we go from being artists to propagandists. Percival wants to be your state senator. He touts his military service and portrays himself as an independent maverick not beholden to political parties. But what Hal Percival doesn't want you to know is that he still lives at home with his parents. How can we trust our tax dollars to a man who doesn't even pay taxes? Hal Percival has never done anything with his life. His parents have had enough of his 24-hour gaming habits and are kicking him out. Now he thinks he's going to sponge off you as a state senator. Let's tell Hal in his entitled ways that it's time for him to get a real job before he can manage our lives. 
He is a loathsome, awful human being who shouldn't be allowed to mow your grass, let alone be your state senator. Make the right choice this election day. Vote for Corey Prescott. I'm Corey Prescott, the positive choice, and I approve this message. Corey Prescott looks like the perfect candidate. Until you get below the surface and find out he's a cheapskate. Did you know he illegally used his neighbor's unsecured internet connection for months? Did you know he uses his friend's Netflix passwords to avoid paying the monthly fee to the streaming service? Over the last five years, Corey Prescott has given exactly 0.02% of his income to charity. The only example being a GoFundMe for bail money for one of his lawyer buddies. He has a reputation for not tipping food servers, hairstylists, or Uber drivers. How can someone so cheap show any kindness to you, the true working people of our state? Corey Prescott's favorite cause is Corey Prescott. He's not thinking of you. He's thinking of his own ambition. He's thinking of climbing the political ladder. Let's kick Corey Prescott off the ladder before he can get on it. Go with the man who has served his country and will serve our district. Vote for Hal Percival. I'm Hal Percival. I've served in the military for a while, and I approve this message. Things in America are just plain scary right now. And for whatever reason, I think there are some folks who are just getting paid a lot of money to sort of try to get us to hate people on the other side of the political equation. I mean, I'm hearing talk of civil war. I'm hearing talk of secession. I'm hearing just really scary stuff increased chaos in our cities. Our distrust for politicians, I think, has advanced to not trusting people who vote for them. And a lot of us are getting lost in the emotion of this election. To be honest, Christians, I think we're getting our eye off the ball. As believers, we are making the artistic mistakes of those who are used to create propaganda. We are selling our effectiveness as a witness for Jesus Christ for the purpose of winning an election. 
And yeah, I know a lot is at stake, regardless of who you're voting for. And yes, I know this is the most important election in our lifetime until the next one, four years from now. And yes, I have voted. But we have a bigger duty than fulfilling our role as a citizen of this country. I mean, how quickly we forget that we are citizens of a kingdom that has no borders and no end. We are here to do the work of the kingdom of God, not a political party. I'm not trying to be a downer here, but when you read the New Testament and you see Christ's ministry, how the church began, how it flourished and grew, we see that all of it occurred during the Roman Empire. They did not have a republic, let alone their guy in power. They did not have a vote. They did not have a First Amendment. Many times they, it was illegal for them to assemble together. And certainly worship of God was deemed uh, as scandalous instead of uh, worship of the emperor. And through significant portions of the New Testament, the church was under attack and persecution. I mean, even by the time we get to Revelation, we see that the Apostle John, now an old man, he has been exiled by the Roman Empire, I believe the emperor was Diocletian, to the remote rocky island of Patmos. <laughs> even though John was likely in his 80s, the emperor saw him as a threat. I mean, these were the conditions under which the early church grew and even thrived. I am not longing for an authoritarian regime to take over and put us under the same conditions. But whatever the Lord desires for us, I know his kingdom will never end. All that to say, we as believers, artists or not artists, need to get back to kingdom business. You know, I got a little emotional about a month ago. I was watching some political stuff on TV and it got, got me going and, and uh, I started to get lost in it. And so I did the least intelligent thing possible. I went to Facebook and I decided I was just going to let everybody know, here's what I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Punch some keys. Said, yeah, post, post it. <laughs> and there it was. And I put it out there. And it was there for about five minutes. And then I remembered that there is someone that I love who does not know Christ, who I know has different political feelings than I. And I thought, what's going to happen if he reads that post? It could really ruin our relationship because we've had some really cool conversations and I just genuinely love the guy. I think that's mutual for us. And I thought, I don't want to let one stupid post on Facebook be a deal breaker that could affect eternity. To put it another way, if I have to choose, I would rather win souls than win elections. My faith is in Jesus. It is not in Donald Trump or Joe Biden. We as believers 
have to come back to kingdom business. Now, look, I'm not sure what the next few days or weeks or, or maybe even months will bring to this country. Things may get pretty dicey. Christians, hear me. Don't die on the wrong hill. You know, we'll sometimes say things like, oh, that's no hill to die on, or that is a hill to die on. Let's just make sure that the hill to die on is Calvary. The life, teaching, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was literally the Lord's hill to die on. He wasn't out to overthrow Caesar. He was out to save our souls. Can we not be more like him in our mission as well? And let's remember what Jesus did when he was on that hill to die on. He forgave those who tortured and killed him. Even as he was going through the most torturous death devised to that point. Even as he was trying to take another breath by putting all the weight on nails that were through his body, scraping his back against a splintered board, he had the wherewithal to say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Believers, our enemy is not seen. We do not struggle against flesh and blood, against Republicans or Democrats, against liberals or conservatives. Our true enemy is unseen. It is invisible, but evil. He is at the root of what is going on in our nation, and our tactics must be against him. We are fighting principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Remember that when someone with flesh and blood offends you or even tries to do harmful things to others and maybe even you, we must be people of grace. We must not hate one another. Empty your heart today before the results come in of all anger and wrath and bitterness. Leave it in the Lord's hands and be about his business from this point forward. Well, we appreciate you being a part of the Madcast. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. We hope to see you again soon. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. For more information about our books and resources, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time.